0: You're watching the Letterman Podcast with Mike Chisholm, endorsed by the Hello Deli. Yeah!
1: (laughs) ( shuffle) Welcome to the Letterman Podcast. My name is Mike Chisholm. We have got a good one for you today. Uh, I don't know that I would say that about any other uh, of of the podcast. I wouldn't say that, I should say, about... Any of the other podcasts that we have, I think I say that probably every single time. Uh, the ones I don't like are the ones that are just me. I like the ones with the guests. The, today is a good guest. They're all good guests. Uh, God damn! how do I edify this one and make it seem special by not overshadowing everybody else? Um, they're all special. That's it right there. Jeremy Weiner. No relation to Steven Weiner, by the way, wouldn't that be cool? Like the, uh, the grandson, the illegitimate grandson, the son, the, I don't know. Uh, if, but Jeremy Weiner, no relation. Uh, this, the the spelling is different. Uh, or is it, is that just to keep us off the scent? I don't know. All I know is it's another Weiner, uh, and a writer, another writer who is a Weiner. Uh, Jeremy Weiner is phenomenal. He worked for the late show, uh, well over 15 years. And, um, just uh, you know a, a researcher um you know segment producer went to all sorts of small towns with biff henderson um, by the way might have some never mind shout out to james james how you doing there you go Anyway, uh nobody knows what that means until hopefully very soon. And in very soon, hopefully, you'll know what that means. Uh, that being said, Jeremy, uh, all sorts of fun stuff. Uh Calvert DeForest was his handler for a while too. Uh, you know, another whiner who has worked with Calvert DeForest. Uh, just lots of really good things in this uh in this episode. Uh I mean, he told so many stories. We set up the next time he's gonna be on his next episode. We've already got a premise for it. Um, it's gonna be great. Uh, The other cool thing is he is a fellow Kevin Smith aficionado. So not only did he cut his teeth, uh, cut his teeth with Conan O'Brien, actually moved over to late show, stayed there till the end of the run. And then, um, you know, uh, he's been doing some awesome stuff. We talk about a little bit about some of the things that he's working on now. Um, But one of the things that he did was he was a judge for Kevin Smith's uh, film festival in New Jersey, which I thought was really cool. He uh, frequents some of the haunts that Kevin Smith made famous, like the quick stop and some other things as well. Um, I love that. If you don't know anything about Kevin Smith, you probably are not digging what I'm I'm saying in this intro, but uh, that's... That's really it. I hope you all had a good holiday uh, Christmas holiday season for those of you who partake. Uh, my wife got me some pink Jordans. So there you go. I love them. They're fantastic. Uh, met Lou Ferrigno. Played the Hulk. Met him over the holiday season. So that was kind of fun. That's for the podcast. Good luck with the podcast. We got there. And it uh, looks like he's going to come on the men's mental wellness podcast. And when that happens, then, you know, he's got a Letterman story. <laughs> So we might get some Lou Ferrigno stuff. Um, loved everything that the Letterman channel put out. I mean, uh, like right now, big clap for Walter Kim and the team over at the, uh, at the Letterman YouTube channel. Um, great stuff out. Lots of very, very good things. And I'll tell you this, the Darlene love, love, the love for Darlene love. That sounds a little less confusing Uh, over this holiday season from the official channel. Incredible, really special stuff. Uh, Love that trying to get Brian Ted on because she, Darlene love was on the view and I want to talk to him about, about Darlene love while it's still fresh in the mind. Uh, Seeing if we can make that happen. Got lots of good things coming. Um, you know what i i said at the top of the uh, the top of this intro that is it, it is a really really good episode it is they all are uh jeremy weiner is just another friend another brother from another mother i feel like um i'll tell you this i watched bathtubs over broadway again over the holidays and there's a scene in it where um uh steve young well of course steve young the whole movie's wrapped around the the mighty steve young um mighty steve young there you go um if he was a pro wrestler, that might be his name right there. Although he would come up with something way more clever. Hey, let's ask him. We should ask Steve young. Actually. Yeah. Let's do this right now. This will be fun. Right. I think. Um, let's see here. Okay. There's Steve young right there and we'll do this. Hey Steve, it's Mike smiley face right now. We're shooting an intro for Jeremy Weiner's episode, and I decided to ask you a question real-time as part of this intro, period. If you had a pro wrestler name for yourself, what would it be, question mark? My vote is Mighty Steve Young, period. What say you, question mark? Send all right, so we sent that to Steve Young. Um, and we'll see what happens in the next intro for the next show if we have an answer. All right, uh, kind of a way that we can go chronological order uh, on this thing, or who knows, maybe this, maybe the other episode comes out first. No, this episode's going to come out first. We'll see what happens anyway. When Steve answers, we will let you know. Now, uh, I watched bathtubs over Broadway. Steve Young, uh, the movie, of course, wrapped around him. And then there's a scene where he's interacting with Lee Ellenberg and Joe Grossman and Jeremy Weiner. And I got to tell you, holy crap, does that movie ever have more weight? If you really want to go down a Letterman rabbit hole, watch the Joe Grossman episode, watch the Lee Ellenberg episode, watch this episode, and then watch Bathtubs Over Broadway. And um, like the scene where Steve says goodbye to Joe Grossman, it, it broke me up. Like, it's like he's saying goodbye to him on the last day for the last time. It seems like, oh, Joe, you're my little buddy, which is like, oh, my God, I'm crying. Um, thank God I can you know, send messages to both these guys anytime and we can still talk to them. Uh, very grateful to do that. Jeremy Weiner is part of that crew. He is. And he's got some great stories. And I'm just now just messing with you. I'm just teasing you. Yeah. Um, Let's get to it. The Letterman podcast brought to you by, uh, the good folks at the hello deli Rupert G and may chin at the hello deli, hello deli.com. If you want to get any late show with David Letterman merchandise or Rupert shirts, or, you know, maybe he'll prepackage a bagel, um, or something for you. I don't know. You want to get food, you know, less efficient, but pretty darn cool. And you support the good people at the hello deli. Um, I'm just very, very grateful for everybody here. And uh this is a lot of fun. Without further ado, I bid to you my conversation with Jeremy Weiner here on the Letterman podcast. Oh yeah. Work for Letterman. When did you start? Like what was your first inkling um, there? Um I uh it, my
0: first I interned at the at the show, I got my internship in the summer of ninety eight. Um, okay. Yeah. And so it was the summer of '98. Um, prior to that, the previous year I had interned at uh, Late Night with Conan O'Brien. So I did, really, back, I did back to back late night internships, which is kind of rare. And I sort of got the vibe that, like, why are you doing another late night internship when I went there? But you know, Dave was always the guy for me. You know what I mean? Like, I felt I I loved Conan. He's, he's was awesome. But I just remember being in my bedroom when I was a you know when I got my first TV in my room, and it was every night before bed it's watch the Top Ten List. Go to bed and get up and go to school yep. the next day. You know, it yep. was like
1: such a ritual for me. You know. Okay, what year were you born? Nineteen seventy-seven. Okay, I'm a '76 baby. So, so yeah. Um, I, I'm fascinated by this. Like when we had Grossman on uh, not too long ago, too. I, I, I said this because I was such a fan, like you, when I was a kid watching these adults act you know childishly for lack of a better term but silly they were adults acting silly and it was a cool experience because i stayed with i stayed with dave the whole way and it was so cool to see his staffers literally morph into people who were more my age like i i loved that um you know being from western canada i never had the uh, you know, I didn't even have the idea that I could go and intern for this show that I love so much. And then maybe I could actually work there. When did that first occur to you? And did you try to intern with Dave first and then, and then, and then went over to 30 rock after that, or was it the same time? No, I,
0: um, I grew up in Northwestern Pennsylvania in Erie, Pennsylvania, which is right between Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, like right in the middle. Yep. And, um, I ended up going to Syracuse because I I, I I was at a car dealership and my parents were buying a car when I was a kid and the Syracuse was playing on the TV when they left me in the waiting room. I just fell in love with Syracuse basketball and that became my thing. I always wanted to go to Syracuse. And so <laughs> I applied and was lucky enough to get in. And um, so I went to Syracuse to study um, sports broadcasting. Oh, wow. And because uh, I was a big Bob Costas fan. And when I got there, I found out like Bob Costas had gone there, but dropped out to go do minor league hockey games in like St. Louis. And, yeah. you know, the broadcast journalism program really wasn't my bag. So I started doing like the television, radio, film pro- program. That's what I transferred yeah. and changed my major to. And I started working at the campus TV station. It was called TV. I linked up with a bunch of guys who were doing a late night show called Coast to Coast. It was hosted by Jack Helmuth. And there was a guy named Rob LaPlante who directed it. And uh, Jack had interned at The Tonight Show out in L.A., and then he yep. had interned at Conan, and um, that's when I sort of got the real late-night bug. Like, that's where I had my first writer's room meeting. It was in Watson Hall at Syracuse University with, like, the guys who wrote for Coast to Coast. It was, like, the coolest thing coming in as a freshman to be able to join a a late-night yeah. show. And oh, um yeah. yeah, so I ended up interning at Conan uh, in the summer of 97. Yep. And after that, um, you know... That's where'd you I, get in?
1: how you uh, well, how did you did you just apply for it? You just luckily got it? Well, as I said,
0: Jack Helmuth, who was at um at Syracuse with me, I didn't turn there the summer before. And I didn't even know a lot about internships or anything like that. Yeah. So Syracuse had like a you know, a building that focused like a, a a building on campus that was, you know, you can go and look up all these different internships that were available. And so I applied to a bunch of different places. I think I applied to like Howard Stern's E show and a few different other places. So I went to the city, I made like weekend trip, you know, and I interviewed on Monday at like three or four different places Yep. and uh, ended up getting the Conan offer. I think Jack, you know, was obviously helped instrumental probably putting in a word for me there. And so each step of the way, there was always someone I met that sort of helped steer the path. Do you know what I mean? Um, Like when I was at Conan, there was a cue card guy named Mark Lucas who did cue cards at Letterman with Tony Mendez. And so when I applied at Letterman, you Know, I think he was nice enough to put in a word, you know, with Janice Panino when I was uh applying for that whole process, so wow. it was just interesting how it's sort of
1: the chips just you know fell into place, they sure did. Um, yeah, what, what was your role for Coast to Coast? Was it was it was it literally PA starting to learn this stuff? Uh, you know, it was awesome,
0: right? Yeah. When you got in, I was able to start, um. There weren't a ton of people that were as enthusiastic, I don't think, to do this kind of work. And so I was producing, helping to produce that show uh, my freshman and sophomore year. It was pretty wild. It was, um, you know, it was like, you know, trying to book the star uh, players in the basketball team. It was trying to, you know, find a, a rabbi and a Santa Claus for the Christmas episode. It was all kinds of stuff. And as a freshman in college, you're like, what is happening? But I just remember it being like, you know, immensely just to be a part of something like that. You know, and the show had all these, um, like Bob Costas did a cold open because he was on campus giving a tour or, you know, uh, giving a, an interview to some students like Andy Richter did a segment because Jack had interned at the uh, at that Conan. So it was really like a cool show that had we shot a lot of pre-tape bits. And, you know, it was really neat. Oh,
1: man. And all yeah. the while still a Letterman fan while you were there.
0: Oh, for sure. It was one of those yeah. things like I made sure in the dorm, you know, we stopped down and watched you know, the top 10. And then we watched Conan's, you know, as much of Conan as we could. So,
1: yeah, that was, that was me too. Like by 98, you know, Dave had, had, had ascended, you know, passed (laughs) out of the, uh, uh, out of the NBCV became what I, you know, the shorthand on this show that we call powerful Dave. Um, And, and he's at that point, he's got this freight train of momentum and the one-two punch. I love the one-two punch of, 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 of your guys' years. In fact, I would probably even give it the edge. I loved Letterman Ferguson, but back then, Letterman O'Brien was my uh, years worth of every like ritual almost every single night watching those those guys. Um, When when I was at
0: Conan seeing just just seeing like you know I was a script intern so that was my first introduction to what it was like uh, with writers uh, like (laughs) professional comedy writers and it was awesome and it was like you know every time there was a change in the script I was the guy that had to go bring it to the different uh, departments so I got to know everybody on the staff and then like right before for the show, if they're doing a clutch cargo and Robert Smigel's there, I'm in the dressing room as he's doing rewrites and then I'm running them to cue cards and to Jonathan Groff, who was a head writer at the time. And it was just, you know, it was awe inspiring because you're just seeing all these great comedy professionals and you, I'm just like, this is incredible, so...
1: The excitement really of being cool. in that environment. Um, very yeah. few things like that excitement, just that energy that's there. Um, yeah. You know, knowing that 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 you're starting a show. Um, let me ask you this: I know with you guys at uh, at Late Show, you guys ran it like it was a live show. That was kind of the you had that energy up there like it was live. Was Conan like that as well by that point?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was it was the energy and the, like the backstage before the show, it was. Yeah we're going to try to start as close on time as possible. And, you know, just seeing him backstage, you know, he would, you know, bouncing around with all that energy, re- rehearsing the cards, you know, standing there waiting for changes. I remember being there uh in the control room the night Norm MacDonald was with there with Courtney Thorne Smith and he did the famous chairman of the board riff. And it just, it was like one of those B-O-R-E-D? things. I'm like, this is that one. Yeah. Yeah. It oh, was, what a- it was one of those, that, that was, that was that year. And by then, you know, Conan, the, the uncertainty had worn off, I think, for them. And they knew that yeah. they had something that was really cooking. It was good. People were starting to really, um, you know, find it and and like it and dig it. And so it, there was like a confidence that was developing there, you know, and it was just really great to be a part of. It's so fun. And seeing those moments like with Norm, when you see the host of a show genuinely surprised by something that happens, it's just so great because you can see the difference in the reactions. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's almost like they break. It's 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 like an actor who breaks in a scene. Yeah. You know, talk show mode is on, but suddenly talk show mode is right. off because, yeah, no, I yeah. and that moment in particular, uh, for those who haven't like we've talked about a lot about Norm Macdonald on this show. We talked about with Steve O'Donnell and, mm-hmm. and, and who've worked with him and other other folks who worked with Norm. He's got such a special place in our heart. Um, yeah. it, you That's got to be one of my favorite
0: moments of the final six weeks is the Norm, you know, Norm coming back. It was just that-
1: that might be the best stand up on a late night talk show set yeah. in history. As far as I'm concerned,
0: it was just, the, it was the perfect, it was hilarious and touching. It was just one of those things. I just felt like I, I, watching history, you know, it was just so cool.
1: Yeah. I, I yeah. could not agree more yeah. uh, for those, for those uh, who who don't know the joke we're talking about uh, just, just Google, you know, Conan, Norm Macdonald, chairman of the board. Courtney Thorne
0: Smith. Maybe if you need to. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those moments. It's just so funny. It was just so, so wild.
1: <laughs> Just, yeah. Um, did you did you pa- uh, cross paths with Norm over the years quite a bit? Because obviously there's a lot of cross pollination there. His adoration of Dave, he was always on the show. um Did you cross paths with some of these folks, or or as a writer did you get you know kind of isolated from 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 those guys?
0: um Norm, you know, I would before I was a writer. You know, I, I started the show um, on the staff in '99, and I became a writer in 2004. So okay. I started doing stuff in the talent department as a researcher, and then I was a writer's researcher. Um, for a number of years and so I crossed paths with a lot of different people I didn't really get you know the I didn't really interact a lot with Norm in my younger years I was more dealing with like uh, Eric Estrada or like James Earl Jones is on the show doing a top 10 list for New Year's Eve and I remember being in the dressing room downstairs and he's just in a in a dress shirt in his underwear and I had to bring him a cheese platter while he rehearsed the top 10 like I was dealing with like the comedy guests that would come on for the comedy segments so it was like, you know, Carrot Top is in a, you know, we wanted him to be on for some Act 5 segment. I remember he got stuck in traffic. So I had to run down to uh, 8th Avenue to run him down so he could be in the green room or something, you know. So Dave could, you know, and he was a good sport because Dave was just going to mock him for some sure. nonsense, you know. So, yeah,
1: it <laughs> well, was I-, I loved I loved those um those spontaneous <clears throat> moments that, you know, that obviously yeah. they're, they're well-crafted and well-scripted to look so spontaneous. You know, why? Is- yeah you know why is carrot top suddenly just randomly showing up but you guys yeah. uh were, were were so good at that i um hearing you talk about that you went so your your first job there was in the the research department that's where you so started
0: after after my internship okay. um so in i interned in 98 um uh, lee ellenberg was the registrar who hired me um yeah. as as an intern and so i got to know all those guys i was on that floor with the stangles and uh, you know carter bays and craig thomas so
1: you started
0: on 14. Yeah, it was. Fair I mean, fair. I did that round robin interview process where you interview yep. in all the departments. Yeah. And luckily I was able to uh, intern for them. It was an awesome summer. Uh, I, I got to be on the show. Actually, they did a segment called Dave hangs with the interns. Yeah. And uh, it was a, it, it was like one of those things where, you know, he brings me out for like four seconds, asks my name and then kicks me off. They put a clock up. You know, it was like a five second countdown. And I was like, this is bonkers, you know. So I was so fired up to be there and they really embraced me. And I was really you know thrilled to get to know all those guys. So then when I graduated, they had a job opening in research because Tommy had moved up to writer and then his replacement came and then his replacement was leaving right. and uh, I got the job in research. So I did that for six months. Uh, I submitted a packet. Um, it was a uh, like a five-page research packet on Ricky Schroeder. There was like 12 <laughs> candidates for the job and he had just taken over on NYPD Blue to be yep. Sipowitz's partner. And so we had to do a research packet over the weekend and turn it in on Monday. And you got to write jokes and questions and stuff like that. And so I submitted that. And luckily I got that job and I did it for six months. And then the writer's researcher job opened and I was able to jump up there because one of the people who I worked with a lot as an intern was Jill Lederman, who was the writer segment producer who went on to be the uh, EP of Jimmy Kimmel Live, who's
1: awesome. Absolutely. And
0: I basically learned, you know, you know, everything I know about producing comedy and how to be sort of how to treat talent and how to you know execute these segments um from her and it was awesome and so as the writer's researcher she was basically the one who said you know come up work with me and that was sort of the partnership we had for a number of years going forward and it was awesome because she's just the best
1: uh we've heard that uh, a lot from a lot of different people both with the camera on and off Uh, jill is somebody who i i I would love to pick the brain of here yeah yeah um so you research was rapidly changing for you uh, at that time with the, with the rise of the internet. Like, I mean, uh, you know, we, we talked about this with a few, with, with, with a few folks. Callison, I think is the first one we talked to him about. Mm -hmm. And it's like uh, researcher back in the day was a very different gig than researcher now. Um, I remember
0: I was, I was with um, Dave Puner and Josh Weintraub in research, and we were looking at some of the old research memos that used to come out, and they were maybe one page, two pages. And by the time we were there, you know, sometimes they'd be up to 10, 12 pages if a guest hadn't been on in a long time. And so so you'd still send interns over to the broadcast center to get the most recent magazines, but you were starting to use the internet more. You know, you're really scouring the papers and stuff like that. And then as I moved up to 14, you know, it became a little bit easier to... uh, to figure out how to execute certain things. Like, for example, you know, I used to have to help figure out what towns we were going to for Biff Henderson's America. And okay. the internet was like f- such a an instrumental component of figuring out, well, what's a small town we can go to in the middle of nowhere that still has some businesses? And finally, like you could use, you know, Yahoo's, you know, or whatever it was at the time, AOL. Ad I don't quest. know what we were using. Like yeah, exactly. And you could sort of click on and it was like nearby restaurants and you could say, okay, oh, this town has 480 people and there's a restaurant two miles away. So it gives you ideas of what you can do in those towns when you're gonna go do those segments.
1: I'm uh, I'm fascinated to hear where every staff member came from, especially the ones who promoted from within. I love the pants culture of promoting from within. Yeah. And so many people like, you know, going from, uh, you know, a, a talent researcher, you know, writing research, full-fledged writer, um, yeah. you know, guys like, like Ellenberg and some of these other people, uh, you know, knew they wanted to be comedy writers. At what point did you know you wanted to be a comedy writer? Is this beforehand? Or is this you being swept up in the culture of everything and realizing, no, I can go and do that. This?
0: it was a combination of things it was learning that you can you know seeing up, up close and personal what it was like to be a writer so uh, you know at, at conan and at letterman seeing that environment and i remember being at i was at conan and i was making copies because i was a script intern yep. and i went to the copier and there was some papers on the copier before um as I was making the copies, I found there were some papers that were there already. So I took them off the copier and I looked and it was like a list of everyone on the staff. And it was a breakdown of uh, like uh, salaries. <laughs> and I realized, wait a, second. <laughs> wait a second, you can make, you can make money doing this. Do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't understand the economics of it. You know what I'm saying? I was like, wait a second, you oh, so you can afford to live in New York city and do this. You know, it yeah. was one of those things. It was just like, you know, I'm a 20 year old kid and I'm like, Oh, this is all starting to fall into place. You can actually earn a living doing something you love, being funny, writing jokes. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was that was the sort of the moment I sort of figured it out. But then it was always important to me too. You can't be so aggressive. You know, you can want to write, but like it was really important for me when I was doing these jobs like researcher, um, you know, writers, researcher, whatever, to to do the the work first. Yeah, be good at the work you know, and don't make the writing the priority. That opportunity, that time will come. Do you know what I mean? Someone will say to you, hey, do you want to submit something here? Go ahead. Don't be so aggressive. You know, try to pick and choose your spots. You know what I mean? So make sure you do the work of the day. Book the voiceover person. Find the footage that the writer needs for their piece. Right. You know, get everything, everything taken care of. And then when someone says, hey, if you don't, if you have some downtime, you want to write top tens, you know, go for it. And that was one of the things that Stangles are really great about. Justin and Eric Stangle, they basically said, you know, eventually it was by all means, when you have finished your work, you can submit some stuff, submit top tens, whatever.
1: Yeah. And it was, that's, it was great. That's really cool. I want to have them on. And actually, you know, I haven't met either of them yet. I actually I would love to have them on conceptually. I'd love to have them bo- both on at the same time. I think that would be kind of fun. Oh, it'd be great. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, if they, you know, play back and forth and all that uh-huh. kind of stuff, I think that'd be a kind of a unique episode. Um, I'm sure they'd be game for sure. We've we've bounced around a little bit. I got to ask this. So you're an intern. Uh, I want to know what your jobs were like when you know when you were an intern. with things that you would sure. do. Uh, but I that I mean you know you threw a big beautiful uh, pitch right across the plate. There was that the very first time you met Dave on camera.
0: Oh yeah, for sure.
1: That's the first time you met David Letterman. For sure. You're doing. A I remember. I remember. Show.
0: Yeah, I remember. Rodney Rothman was the head writer at the time, and he pulled me yeah. in the office, and he's like, "We want to do this thing. So we Dave hangs with the interns." And I remember it was like uh, queued up and ready to go. And I was in the wings for like maybe two or three days. And Jill was great and she was coaching me, but it got cut and it kept getting bumped. And I was like, oh, so I, and then I started to realize like, oh, this is one of those things. There's a lot of things ready to go that aren't ever going to see the light of day just for time or whatever. Pre-tapes like, that are
1: sitting there that may or may not get you. Yeah, or even
0: live elements. You'd even book actors and have a whole piece ready to go and something will happen that'll spur Dave's you know, curiosity. And it'll just take the show in a different way and, you know, yeah. it'll bump to the next day or whatever. But then on the third day I came out. And that was it. He just said, "You know, nice to meet you. Uh, where are you from? And I think I said my name, and I said I was from Erie, Pennsylvania. and he goes, and the clock uh, expired and he kicked me off the stage. It was It was really funny,
1: so okay, how like, did your mind melt? like okay, that what a surreal way to meet David Letterman, you know yeah. you've been worshiping him for all these years, whatever. And then, you yeah. know, working for him, but working for him does not guarantee you're ever going to ever even be in the same room with the guy. Um, yeah. And then suddenly you're doing a segment that's going to be on TV. Like, are you calling home and saying, Hey, everybody in Pennsylvania, guess what? Your boy's going to yeah. be on TV tonight? Yeah. Like- you're,
0: yeah. I, I, you're making a lot of calls. It's just one of those things you, you want to actually, so the, the other thing you have to worry about is even if you get on the show during the taping, right. You have to make sure you make it to the air version. yes, Right. So it's one of those things you're always calling and you're always hedging, you know, it's like, Hey, this could happen. You know what I mean? If it doesn't, it's okay. Yeah. But there's a a chance it could happen. So yeah, that was, it was a lot of fun. It it definitely was mind blowing and, you know, just being backstage with the music and it's freezing cold and the, you know, the audio. but then once you're out there, you just sort of laser focus in on, you know, I didn't have much to do. So it wasn't like, you know, I just had to walk out there and sit and not you know pass out so uh but it was, it was it was fun uh
1: so so i mean again so many of these we just had leon and and i mean you know his oh, was great. Cage. Page for five, six years, right? So, you know, you Mm -hmm. ask him, How many episodes did you see? And it's like countless episodes that he saw, all these magic moments where he was actually in the room as a staffer. Yeah. But but then you've got the exact opposite as well folks who who show up on 14 and they don't even necessarily go into the theater very often. Um, Did you see a lot of, uh, either as an intern or in the early years as a researcher, did you see any of the stuff that was making it on air? Did you watch the show uh, while you were working? there like like it's just such an interesting um it's such an interesting thing to me that situation yeah
0: there was um there were a few there was a lot of opportunities to do that there were um like when you're working uh, in the research department you're one of the people that often get pulled for comedy segments to be extras in the background yeah so jill would call down and be like if you're not we you know, working on your packet at the moment, can you come down to the stage and just be in the background of this, you know, quick pickup we're shooting or this, you know, quick little sketch we're shooting. So a lot of times you get to go down and be a part of it in that way. And then you get to watch it on the show later. I got to be a far more involved, you know, when I became the writer's researcher. So after the morning stuff that I was doing, which was like, you know, booking voiceover artists, it was helping to find footage for comedy segments. It was, uh, you know, a, a bunch of other different tasks we would do things before the show. Like for example, Jill and I would go downstairs uh, to help uh, find audience members for know your current events or um, uh, stump the band. We'd have, we'd go out and interview people or um, you know, like sometimes I'd have to walk Calvert to forest around uh, when he came back on the show for a while. And so he would, for for me, I think maybe six months, maybe a year, he would come out during the monologue and just interrupt it like every night. And uh, so I was like his sort of, you know, Wrangler, you know, he would go out into that alleyway. and I'd make sure he got to, you know, to where he had to go. Like before the show, I remember there's one story I've told a couple of times, but before the show, Calvert had to go to the restroom and this was in the year 2000. So it was, it was uh, the guests that night were Crosby, Stills and Nash and Al Gore, I think, because it was election season. Wow. So it was a weird night there because Secret (laughs) Service is all over the place. You know, there's bomb sniffing dogs. There's, you know, this iconic band rehearsing and Calvert. He has to go to the bathroom, (laughs) which is right across the, from the sound effects booth under the stage. Yep. So I take him from the alley under the stage to the bathroom I'm waiting outside the door. I think I'm making small talk with like uh, Gary Caffell, who's the sound effects guy who did all the glass crash sounds and everything. Yep. Next thing I know four secret service agents uh, come down the hallway and sort of push me aside. And then I see Al Gore. Who goes right into the bathroom while Calvert's in the bathroom. And all I hear is Calvert scream. And I just see Al Gore walk back out. And I'm just standing there like, what just happened? Like, you know, Calvert I just didn't lock the door. And someone told Al Gore the bathroom's right across from sound effects. So it was, you know it was i saw there's just some insane stuff you know like one night i think you talked to steve young right you said
1: Oh, a couple of times absolutely yeah steve steve
0: Steve, like the writers sometimes are my best friends and sometimes they created massive headaches you know like uh he pitched um we do a civil war reenactment on 53rd street right with two you know you have two different sides you have you know different guns. There was a, they were going to fire a cannon. Right. And so (laughs) it was my, so it was Jill found the people. And it was one of those things I had to help wrangle them all that day. Yeah. And Jack Hannah was on the show that night who he brought a water Buffalo, but the water Buffalo couldn't be near the cannon. So we had to move the water Buffalo around the corner. And then (laughs) in rehearsal um, we didn't shoot the big cannon. (laughs) because they didn't want to waste the, I don't know, ammunition or whatever. Sure. And, um, but then the actors who are, they didn't want to, they didn't want to pretend to die because they were on TV and they wanted to be on TV as much as possible. But the whole (laughs) point of a civil war reenactment is some people have to get shot and, you know, and it was just insane. And then and we this did is on show. From the, the show. mind
1: of Steve Young. Let's let's make from sure the mind of can... Steve
0: Young. I I, I, <laughs> I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm 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 pretty sure it was Steve Young. And then I remember during the show, just everyone is shooting their rifles or muskets or whatever, and then the cannon goes off, and it's just <laughs> insane, and it reverberates throughout the entire neighborhood. And then it got so smoky with this. It was just you know, I saw a lot of crazy stuff.
1: Uh, and, and, and again, I love, I love talking to the folks who help put this stuff together. I mean, you and I could do an entire show just on the writings that we haven't gotten to the writing stuff, but this is the stuff like Lee and I were talking about him as a page and I know that we could do an entire episode of him as a, as a page. Yeah. You guys, the logistics of putting all these things together, you know, the, uh, I I watched (laughs) recently, um uh they the the they 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 recapped remember the cannon that was supposed to shoot a pumpkin across the uh, across the hudson oh. to new jersey you know mm-hmm. just the logistics of that and and i love when things um you know real time came into the show when it came to the logistics of things you know that yeah. cannon or the night where they talked about playing the eagles uh you know i loved i love that episode so much well with the
0: cannon were you talking about the cannon and how it got pushed to the second show and it got dark
1: yep okay yeah
0: and you couldn't see it and then it That's became how right. much of this car co- okay yeah yeah okay good yeah yeah. I mean, yeah that was just it was crazy yeah
1: and and to me like i love that our and i say our because we're, we're we're both gen xers our tonight show was that as opposed to my dad's yeah. tonight show which was johnny and all yeah. the glitz and glamour and all that i love that that was our tonight show like yeah um yeah. and and you were part of the logistics of some of these things that to me yeah. is just uh do you we have had our... other... oh go ahead no go
0: ahead what was your question
1: no, no, I was going to say do you have any other like logistics stories like that like that that civil war reenactment that kind of stuff yeah. there um, yeah. like do you have any other stories like that before you know
0: You just- know we uh, it was we like for example for me I you know, I, I did a lot of traveling right God. so uh I would go and help uh be like sort of the field producer for like the Henderson's America segments right Yeah so like I would go, it would be like a director who would go and it would either be Randy Grossack or Jessica Santini uh, and and a writer would go and Biff would go. But, you know, I, you know, I was just learning on the job at the time. So for example, you see Biff driving that Winnebago all the time, but that's only in when the camera's rolling, when the camera's not yes. rolling, Jeremy's driving the Winnebago. Right. <laughs> so, you know, when we were we, the first time I ever did, it, I think it was like Calhoun, Missouri. And I was, I was driving the Winnebago or actually I think, the it was the first time i was driving this very big winnebago i backed yeah. it right into a ditch like within 10 minutes of driving it you know what i mean it was ridiculous um, okay
1: hold on let's go back just just let's pick that for a second yeah you're in your you're in your early 20s yeah and it's okay yeah we're you're flying out here here's your plane tickets that kind of thing oh yeah. we get you land okay kid you know how to drive a winnebago no you're about to like and then you jump yeah. behind the wheel of a winnebago is that is that it
0: Yeah. And then you're driving and you're responsible for getting the whole crew in the Winnebago to the location. So here's another example. We did this. We did a Biff Henderson's America. In uh, I was thinking about this the other day. It it was in Whiting, Maine. Right. And I was talking it was Chris Harris was the writer and they wanted to do a joke. It was, you know, the joke was Biff is going to go on a lobster vessel. He's going to go on a lobster boat. He's going to pull up a lobster trap. And in the trap is going to be an AOL CD. Uh, because those were everywhere at the time, okay? And then the joke was going to be, oh God, these things are everywhere, right? Yep. So this is my first time doing this sort of thing. So I'm like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to call a authentic lobsterman. I'm going to set this up. We're going to go out with a lobster vessel. We're going to put the CD in the thing and we're going to shoot the joke, right? Yep. So I call the guy, he goes, awesome. We'll take you out in the boat. You have to meet us at 3.30 in the morning and we'll be back by sundown because they're going to go out lobster fishing all day. And they're that was the first time the I realized- day. Yeah. I, was, I realized, wait a second, I got to think this through. I got to figure out what does it mean to produce this joke? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And so, I, you know, I stopped down, thought about it for a second. I called a a lobster restaurant in the nearby town. And I just said to the guy, you don't happen to have a, a like a boat that could take us. He's like, of course. So within 20 minutes, we were on the guy's boat in, in the harbor. He, he put the CD in a trap and dropped it. So it wasn't as... Um, organic and natural. Do you know what I mean? But it was one of those things yeah. I was learning to produce the comedy on the fly uh, and saving us 12 hours in the, on a boat for yeah. one joke. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. So you're just sort of learning as you go a lot of times, you know, and that happened like, you know, um, we did a live show in Bosnia uh, for uh, the USO. And so I got to fly over to Bosnia with Biff and we did a top 10 with soldiers and so, you know, I've been to Europe a couple of times and uh, both of them with the show. Once was to a military base in Germany and once was to Bosnia, which was wow. wild. So
1: you went to Ramstein.
0: Yeah, we did a top wow. 10 with some troops there, which was really cool. Wow. Um, and then we did the show. It was like a Christmas show, I think, with the USO. And it was like Ernie Banks was there. Al Franken was there. The Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders, Biff, was there. And so we did a whole taping of the show. Uh, it was pretty fun.
1: That's, um, that's spectacular. Did you go to any sporting yeah. events with Biff as well?
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did, you know, Super Bowls, uh, we did, um, World Series, uh, and then as things transitioned, as I was a writer, so as once I became a writer, I became the writer on the pieces, yep. but before that, before I became a writer, so up to 2004, I would be sort of the, um, uh, field producer on those pieces.
1: Yep. yep a field producer for David Letterman, that is a, that is a, uh, that's a badge right there. Like you think about, I mean, I don't know if there's any, uh, I mean, Steve Allen did man on the street and all that kind of stuff, but uh, I mean, David Letterman's remotes, I mean, what they, what they were and what they were the standard of them all the way to the end, Mm -hmm. um, you know, phenomenal. Can you like, is it, is it weird now looking back going, I, I can't believe I was one of the guys that helped create, those moments?
0: Yeah, it feels it feels weird. You know, it's all a blur. Some of, a lot of it's a blur. But then there are some moments that really stand out. And then, you know, obviously, getting to work with everybody at the show was such a great experience. And I have so many, you know, really positive memories. You know, I spent, you know, the formative years of my professional life there. So it was really, uh, you know, positive and such a great it, looking back, it's really cool. And sometimes I try to, you know, talk to my kids about it now and just sort of, you know, share some anecdotes and it's just, it just feels like a different life sometimes, you know?
1: How old are your kids?
0: Uh, my oldest is a senior in high school and yep. my youngest is a sophomore in high school. So we've been spending a good, a good amount of time traveling this last year, sort of checking places out and uh, getting ready for, uh, you know, that whole process next year. So yeah. it's going to be fun.
1: That's, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. I, um, back to the producing those moments, uh, those yeah. things, was there anything that you guys ever did that got cut That you were like, oh, I wish they would have aired that. That was a really cool package because you, you know, you alluded to it earlier, and I mean, we've heard legends of, yeah, uh, of 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 these some of these these comedy pieces that just never made the show for whatever reason. Yeah, Uh, anything that you can remember off the top of your head?
0: I'm trying to remember pieces that got cut. I, remember, I mean, I remember Tom Ruprecht had the late show, the movie that we ended up shooting a ton of awesome pieces for that never yep. aired. Yep. Um, I yeah. know there's some I, off the top of my head, I can't think of anything, but okay. I know there's, I know there are so many, so I'd love to save that for uh, another time.
1: Okay. Well, and that's, and or that's if one great. comes to
0: mind as we're talking, I'll, I'll definitely jump in with it.
1: Yeah. Well, I appreciate that too. And, and yeah. I mean, you know, this is something that, uh, I I'm, uh, I I don't know what... uh, I don't know that I'm quite a mosquito, but I'm probably a bit of a housefly uh, in my annoyance level to Walter Kim, and and this is the kind (laughs) of stuff that I mean, as as the box kind of slowly opens back up again and 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 it's so beautiful to see uh, all this official um stuff happening, yeah, um, you know, these are these are the archives that would be it would be really fun to open some of those archives, stuff that yeah. uh, was never aired and and yeah, um, yeah. and things. Uh. so it's it's good that we're talking about this. I, I just find this this stuff endlessly fascinating, yeah, for sure um so, okay you become okay if, oh, for actually no first i mean obviously the first thing you got on on the air was uh your five seconds with dave um yeah. but do you remember your very first uh any whether it was a it was something that you just submitted or what as a writer do you remember the first thing that you uh got on tv
0: oh that i got on tv wow i'm sure it's a top 10 joke but yeah. i i, 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 I might have an answer to that question you know I, I have a, a i have a box up in the attic that has all kinds of stuff in it that I should next I should or bring it do. down at some point yep, and we'll, we'll go through that, it. Yep. But I remember how like I, things I have in there. I've, uh, I remember I have, uh, we did a top 10 list with uh, astronauts in space uh, and it was uh, they threw uh, pencils at the camera in space. And so you saw the late show pencil floating through the air, you know,
1: fair and I
0: remember fair. afterwards the astronaut sent me a, a note saying, you know, thanks so much for coordinating this. And it had two of the pencils that were in outer space. So somewhere up in the attic, there's, like, a a late show pencil in, like, a little case that has, like, space dust on it. That's been to
1: space and back.
0: So, yeah, there's some, you know. And I'm sure I have other weird things, too.
1: Right there. Are you the dude that coordinates that? Okay, yeah, it's going to go up in the shuttle. Let's get these guys some pencils. Let's make sure we FedEx it to them. Yeah, see, that was the thing. Like, so
0: when I was working with Jill, Jill would be – Jill would – she was – a list elite you know she would handle all of this the big celebrities and i would handle sort of more you know transport logistics yeah other people like i was the guy who had to like we had a sumo wrestler on once and i had to help wrap him in his little uh you know
1: underwear yeah exactly
0: so or like is this anything that was the thing i had to deal with for many years of you know looking at acts and booking them and bringing them in and rehearsing with those guys so um yeah
1: So she would have sent the pencils to the astronauts that went up there? Because, I mean, it's not like you just get late show pencils anywhere. You guys would have had to coordinate. I remember
0: having many conversations with an awesome guy. His name was like Bill Wallish from Colorado, and he really was instrumental in getting it done. I might have sent the pencils, but then that might have been something that was like, uh, props or scenic had to handle just through the chain of command, Do you know what right, I mean? Yeah, so oh, it was one of those things like I would sort of put in the request, but I wouldn't have to necessarily ship it or whatever, you know.
1: These are the types um, of things as well on the show that we want to talk yeah. about, too. Like, you know, okay, this is a coffee mug, unless it was from this and this place, unless it was like a um, uh, a weekend late show coffee mug, then it, then yeah, it was yeah. a prop, and yeah, then yeah. they all had different rules, and there were different, yeah. uh, different departments did different things, and you did not encroach on those things yet at the same time you had this entire worldwide pants family where you know it didn't matter if it was pat farmer or you know the guy who won the deli no. around the, you know rupert you know like it's such a um it's so unique it's so that unique. was another part of
0: the learning curve is just figuring out what's the right order who do you ask for what and how do you approach it the right way and the thing is you know my goal was just to sort of be as respectful as possible and try to learn everything uh and, and do it by the book, and that way, you know, no one felt like you're stepping on their toes, or you were going, you know, staying, you know, you're out of your lane. So I was just doing my best to stay in my lane, uh, do the best job I could, and then when I could help more, you know, like for example, when we were on these remotes; it was just a real skeleton crew. Yeah. So it was a lot of like I would have props in my backpack, or you know, we would do different things. Or with Biff, you know, we would have little cue cards for him, or something like that, every once in a while, or yeah. stuff like that. So it cha- it changed a little bit on those in those situations.
1: Uh, I imagine in those situations as well, it would be a lot of get in, get out. You didn't get a chance to see a lot of the places that you were, you know, you got to business yeah. and then you went back because of the breakneck speed of of the production, I would assume. Right. Or were there yeah, times that was where kind you of how it is? Say, oh, go ahead.
0: No, I, I was going to say um, there was one instance. Yeah. It was usually get in, get out because yeah. you just had to get back to work. There was yeah. one time when uh, I was going down with Biff, we were going to do a live shoot in Miami on the beach, Miami Beach, and Biff was going to have a um, metal detector. And during the show, he was just going to look for stuff with a metal detector, which I thought, great, this will be perfect. Biff and I get to go out to Miami Beach. I remember we got there. We had dinner. We were at an outdoor restaurant, and Mel Brooks was like two tables over. And I just remember sitting, I just remember like being really nervous. And I remember Biff and Mel having like a little exchange and it was just like the coolest thing to be witnessing it. And we were supposed to fly right back. Um, But Dave got shingles and the bit got canceled. So then Biff and I ended up having to stay like an extra day because we weren't sure what was going to happen. Right. And so, and we didn't have any extra clothes. So I remember it was like me and Biff in Miami going to like the gap to buy, you know, a new Another shirt to wear. I don't know. It was just, you know, things like that. That was like the kind of the only time we got an extra day to hang out, really, you know, because it was yeah. usually after you shoot like um, a Super Bowl or whatever, you're coming right back. Or in a lot of cases, towards the end, you'd feed the footage back. So, like the AD or the director who was there would facilitate getting the footage fed back and you'd fly back, but you probably wouldn't arrive in time to edit it. It would already be being edited. So, for example, like if I shot a Super Bowl, uh generally it was like lee who'd be editing it Um uh, yep. and so by the time i got back i could sort of chime in with any other things i remembered to look for in the footage that we could incorporate in the piece but it was yep. it was pretty much a team effort at that point you know
1: uh i love hearing that too i love every time I, I i hear about the writers working together and and and, and, and um collaborating yeah. rather than because i mean you hear these Stories about these writer writer rooms, uh, you know, Saturday Night Live being the, the famous example, of course, mm-hmm. being Shark Tanks, and you know, us versus them, yeah. Yeah. and 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 it just seems like, uh, for the most part, I mean, notable exceptions, of course, but but it seems like. Um, the pants crew were really a crew that gelled together and collaborated more yep. than anything, um, yeah. and it certainly must have helped in the in uh, in 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 shaping you uh, and your skill um, as a car. Oh, for record. sure, because
0: I feel like you know I, I have a certain sort of style in a you know way you know that I think sort of may have helped fill in gaps for other people i mean there are people you know who we work you know steve and lee and joe and tommy i mean these were guys that were you know just awesome and you know and the stangles were so great and it was you know i just tried to find my niche contribute as best i could you know and then you know everybody got a chance to step up at times and sort of take the lead and you're doing so many shows you're doing 200 shows a year yep you know, everyone just, it's like, we got to buckle down and work together because we're just trying to put on the best show we can given the, you know, limited amount of time we have to produce them, you know? Yeah.
1: Um- it, or even just seeing
0: Jerry Mulligan You know it, yeah. it Just being near Jerry It was one of those things You're just like Oh this is it, Like we would be in the room you know, the writer's room Having a meeting And sometimes Jerry would be Going down to rehearsal Because he had, he was going to be On the show that night And he would just walk in And he'd just yell like uh, I don't know Something about the movies And then he'd walk out And it would just Everyone would laugh And it would just be You know one of those oh, moments You're just like That's Jerry Mulligan You know what I mean And you're ah. just It was just so cool To sort of be around All these these people all the time
1: Fourteen, I feel was very grateful time. You know for, well yeah yeah and and that's the other part too is how many like uh, 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 this culture of the Panthers, um you know very few of you can take a compliment without deflecting it you know ninja like <laughs> yeah um you know subtly just you know reposition the compliment and then put make it about somebody else or something mm-hmm. like that um that one and then and then grateful like uh you're all just humbly grateful um you know uh, you know uh, were there times where there was imposter syndrome there where you're like, I shouldn't be here? Or did you just grow so organically because you did come from a different department and and, and were just growing within this company that was um, yeah. shielded? I mean, I
0: feel to some degree, I feel like I had, you know, being at the show and working there for a few years before becoming a writer. I felt like I was really able to sort of capture the voice and understand the show but absolutely like when you you know when i had the opportunity to be a writer it was you know you, you spend the first every 13 week cycle you're like i mean this could be it maybe i don't know you know you're just sort of trying to find your footing and eventually you you have to put that aside and you have to say you know we've been here long enough you know you've you've shown you could do the work so now try to relax and try to figure out you know, how to not worry about just getting something on, but how to get something on that's meaningful and different and and helps, you know, evolve the the form and the things that we, the things we always do. Yes. Can you try to create something? So you're trying to not just fit into the template that exists already, but try to push through and find new things to do or new, and it's really hard, you know, but it's, you're, you're just trying to push yourself so that you have to you know, forget about the, the imposter syndrome angle and realize you're here for a reason. You've proven yeah. you can do it. Yeah. You know, 13 weeks has come and gone and you're still here and people are still, you know, seem to generally like you being around. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So.
1: Um, okay. So so I'm going to ask you one question then I'm going to ask you a question about the 13-week week cycle to let your brain think about the question I'm yeah, going to ask. Sure. Uh, a, a moment like what you're describing where you're not and I, I want to be very, very, very careful as I say this, you're not merely helping, uh, you know, with something that has been around, like Stump the Band, I mean, you know, yeah. or, or something that has been around, but you're you're wanting to create one of these moments that's new, that does move the rock a little bit, or, or, or yeah. is one of those magical little things. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, okay, just create that, create magic out of nothing, right? Like, that's a yeah. tough, tough order. The question is, um, you know, were there any of those moments in your mind that you, were a part of that you saw that you helped create and, 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 and did. So that's, that's the question there. Like yeah. what's an example of one of those moments now I'm going to ask you this uh, to, so you can think about that in your subconscious, yeah. um, the 13 week cycle you go from being, you know, working with Jill, yeah. um you know in this 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 job obviously you know salary bumps and all that aside but but you're working with her in this job this stable job that yeah. is a lot of fun where you're doing a lot of cool stuff yeah uh stuff that the kid in you is just i can't believe this kind of a thing if, if, if you're yeah. correct on that i don't want to overshap, yeah for but sure. no, you're, you're right. doing a lot of great stuff making yeah. the jump over to 13 week cycle of, mm-hmm. of the, the the life of a writer was that difficult was there trepidation there?
0: Oh, for sure, yeah, but it's you know you 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 have to have that belief in yourself that you know and and I again I had had the opportunity to be writing a little bit beforehand, so I had had the opportunity to get. It. So that's why it's a little confusing because I had had I had gotten some jokes on the show before becoming a writer, so I'm sure there's the first joke I had as a you know officially as a writer, but you know I felt like I understood the job. I felt like I wasn't where I needed to be yet. But the people around me were so supportive, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, Lee, there was no bigger supporter, you know, of me than Lee. And he was such a great sort of mentor and sort of guide through the process and seeing how he transitioned uh, to that role. Uh, And then obviously when Joe came in and being able to watch Joe and how smart and funny and just his, his unique style and ability. So all these things, you're just like seeing all these different people and you're trying to like will various aspects of, from them to sort of become part of, uh, you know, sort of how you operate. So you can, you know, uh, just push forward. I don't know. I don't yeah. really think, you know, it's hard. Like Tom Rupert always said, it's impossible for when someone says, you know, write a hit single. Yeah, yeah. You can't, it's, 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 it's really hard. So for me, it was little small victories, figuring out a new thing to do, you know, like, I don't know, Lee and I at one point we, you know, pitched something. It was like called uh technical maintenance minute and it was just a way to feature different members of the show in the technical maintenance department and the technical maintenance guys would come out and talk about some new piece of technology they had in some very you know tech speak you know gobbledygook and it was just one of those things it was fun to find new people on the show to feature um, just to sort of mix things up give you a new a new thing to, to, to try to write for
1: did you, um, how, how many, how many in front of the camera experiences did you have in your run? Um, I'm trying to think there was a few, you know, when I was
0: the writer's researcher, cause I was around, yep. you know, I got to sort of be in a couple of shots. I had a couple of lines, you know, I was a I pretended to be a page once but you know, and opened the door. And it was like a swarm of bees outside. And I, I, I don't know. It was like something like that. I remember too, I think one of the guest host shows when Dave was out for the heart surgery. Yeah. I think Dana Carvey was hosting. And there was a, I'm trying to think, I was in the audience. I was like an audience plant that night. So yeah. there were some moments. I, I have them written down somewhere, you know. Okay. But well, yeah, well, there, part, was few, there was a few, the there was nothing, there was nothing really, you know. Oh, you you know, remember when Jeremy was on the show or whatever. So right,
1: uh, that th- that that question was setting up this one here. Um, yeah. Some of the writers, uh, performers already. You think about Bill Sheft and, and some of these other people. Some of the you know uh, natural performers. Some of the writers, uh, <laughs> Joe b- b- pushed into <laughs> it. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. As, a, as as potentially, you know, uh, let's mess with Joe from the other writers. That kind of a thing. Yeah, um, yeah. Did you ever have? Did you get hit, uh, bit by the performing bug at all um, through your time working there?
0: I, I was very comfortable sort of in my role and I, I enjoyed being the person who would, you know, occasionally give the push to people that were uncomfortable. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yep. Um, yep. No, I, I, I enjoyed, um, you know, performing for the writers, you know, and just sort of being in the room and sort of letting that be where I sort of did my thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I didn't really have an itch for that. I enjoyed sort of being behind the scenes, you know, and doing what I had to do
1: yeah, I got gotcha. you. Uh, um, um, have you thought about one of those moments? Has there it was was one of those moments where it's like, yep, we moved the needle a little bit. This was more than just getting something on the air. This was something that I'm proud of that was, um to me anyway, you know, really important.
0: I don't you know when you're talking about that, i I don't remember I remember when the um the whole Leno Conan thing was happening. And I remember, I just remember, not so much me individually, but I remember as a group, it being one of those moments where you were like, (laughs) we really need to, you know, try to tackle this in the best way we can. And I just remember... Um, feeling sort of overwhelmed by that whole situation. But I remember, you know, everyone was coming to come into play, you know, like, uh, uh, like, you know, Lee and Joe and uh, Tommy and Steve, like I just remember and the Stangles were back there and it was just a lot of like, we got to figure out how to do this. And it was just one of those moments where it wasn't individually me moving the needle in any way, but it was figuring out how Dave was going to address this situation, which was so linked to his own previous situation that that's where i felt like wow just being in the room here for this and contributing whatever i can felt like an interesting sort of tipping point there just in terms of you know we are the ones who have a very specific need to say something here you know and that was one of those moments where it was like wow this is crazy
1: yes um i I, I think joe had
0: that leno victims unit right
1: yeah oh yeah
0: was that what so yeah there was like
1: that's yeah. Ed Hall came back for that. Um, yes,
0: yes, yes, yes.
1: You know, like, yeah, I, I just, so, so for me um, the, okay. So the last six weeks of, you know, plug for yeah. Scott Ryan's book. I, I mean, I, I love, you know, Zinneman and Carter's books. I mean, I love them. I've, you know, yeah. they're fantastic, but this book here to me, um, it's my favorite six weeks in any television run of any broadcasting mm. show in his, like the yeah. last six weeks of this show, um, to me was, was the, it was everything. If there was a quote unquote golden age of TV, um, uh, that would be it. But if I had a yeah. favorite time of, of David Letterman's, uh, entire run, and I had to, I had to kind of pin it down to one moment. It was either late shift one or late shift two. It, 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 and and they both it, you asked me on different days, right? Like right. The, the, what you got to be a part of, uh, um, you know, <laughs> that those moments um i'm fascinated by them i'll watch don giller's uh you know compilations on Mm -hmm. on on every moment kind of that happened there all the shots being fired back and i think there's even one where it showed you know some of the stuff kimmel did and some of the stuff that other everyone else was doing um like would you guys okay for example when kimmel goes on uh and does his entire show as leno Um, you guys as writers, you're in a room together, you're seeing all this stuff that's happening, you know, Conan releases his letter, that kind of thing. Is that all you guys are talking about those days? And it's like, you know, that's this is what the show is going to be for the next, you know, for right now anyway, we're going to be talking about this and doing this. Like it must've been an amazing perspective to see everything else going on around you.
0: Yeah. It's surreal. And you're just like, you're just, you're just trying to find your way through it. And there's a lot of, You know writing things that never see the light of day and it's a lot of you know oh we can't we can't push this far we have to pull back you know we can't quite say it this pointedly let's figure out a way to say it that gets the message across but is a little less harsh you know you're just you're trying to realize because it's you know people everyone has feelings in this whole process too so
1: absolutely yeah and and i think i think you guys did a really good job of 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 just making fun of everything going on around. Like, I think you guys did a really, really good job of that making fun of everybody and not, you know, obviously Lena was the, was the, uh, the the focal point, but at the same time, uh, I mean, I think you guys did a really good job of, of just making fun of the situation. And of course, bringing it back to Dave and Dave's situation, you know, well, I'm, you know, I've been rejected for the tonight show again, you know, that attitude. Um, Yeah. Yeah. did, Did Dave ever surprise you guys? because i mean i apparently there were nights and i don't know if it was just him feigning it but but it, apparently there were nights where he's like hey i'm not going to talk about this and there were comedy there was a blue card with a comedy piece sitting right there and he ended up just not nope, just talking about it anyway you um, you'd
0: see it and you'd be like yeah. what are you doing come on let's go come on like you you just you, you'd be confused and you're just like wait a second and then you'd realize you know this has a very specific window of time where you have to put it on the air and it just you know, and at the end what? of the day, it's just like, it's his, it's his show. His name is on the marquee and it is what it is. And you just sort of roll with it, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. So. I think there was one night too, where he even said, Oh, do we still have time for this? And Barbara just screams, no, like, uh-huh. like <laughs> yeah. Exasperated Barbara. <laughs> no. Exactly. Oh, okay. Shrug. <laughs> we'll yeah. be right back. Yeah. Kind of a thing. Um, Yeah. I, I can imagine that those would be electric moments when things like that would happen. I don't know if it came with frustration for the writers at that point, or if you were like, this is kind of cool. The sponsor.
0: Yeah, it was only frustrating. You know, if it was like, you know, you'd, you were there really late working on like a, a video quiz or something, and you had, you know, it took forever to figure out what the jokes would be. And, you know, and then the graphics department, because you, you were was working on it all day. Yep. And so, you know, it was really. <laughs> I don't know. There I wish I had specific moments like specific things that got cut. I should have kept a more detailed list of those just cuz it would be fun to sort of go back and go through it and maybe, Yeah. you know yeah.
1: Oh and and that will happen as as uh you know as this show develops um uh, you know that's going to happen. I I can't wait yeah. to have a couple of you on at the same time and then just sit back and eat the popcorn while you guys just kind of yeah. you know uh bring these things up and I I'm, I'm so glad that it's happening. Um yeah. I don't know if you go ahead
0: no, I was just going to say. I think it's great. I think it's really cool that you uh, people are. You know, you've put this together here. It's such a unique. Uh, you know, it's it's fun to see people's perspectives and and because it, it, it's been a while now. But you know, as we as we've been talking about it, you know, memories have been come you know have come flooding back. You know, so it's really cool
1: that's, that's good and that's uh thank you for saying that that that's yes. that's fantastic that that's happening the enthusiasm that i bring to this um, uh, the genesis of that enthusiasm I, i've talked about it before on the show a little bit my you know my daughter-in-law um you know she's sweet little sweet little blonde 20 you know two-year-old you know oh mm-hmm. i want to show you something she knows i love comedy and all that i want to show you something shows me something that someone did and i just kind of uh, have no, I'm going to show you where that originated and then I bring up the Letterman clip of it. And, and, right, and, and right, right. Um, right. I, I'm astounded. Um, and, and you you might be able to kind of uh, identify with this because our, our age is similar. I'm astounded how quickly the world has forgotten Johnny Carson. And Johnny yeah. Carson was the biggest star of the world. Right. Um, and, and, and to me, it's like, I don't know what it is, Jeremy. I swear to God, it's just this weird little itch where it's like, nope, we're going to transfer some knowledge here and we're going to show you know, we're going to, we're going to show future generations and and the generations now about the innovative stuff that you guys did. It's so, it's so amazing watching Walter and company put these, these, these moments up on YouTube now, because you never had the opportunity to have the YouTube moment the next day and the viral moment. You had the water cooler moment, which is why Mm -hmm. your numbers, you know, and, 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 and before the dilution of TV and all that kind of crap, we can talk up all, all sorts of that, but, but you never had the opportunity to go viral and right. there were thousands of moments on that show that would have gone viral. Sure. Um, and, and so to me us doing stuff like this and, and and collaborating with the you know getting the old band back together and talking about this yep. stuff it, it just it adds a richness to it. Um and I I'm, I'm really I'm really stoked about about what we're we're all doing here. This is a lot of fun Yeah, it's cool. Um
0: and It's only going to grow. I mean, I, there's so many people that, you, you know, I'm sure your list is huge, but uh, I'm excited to sort of see some familiar faces and hear their stories again.
1: Anybody and I'm gonna ask you this anybody from any position within the pants family of any sort, uh, any intros are welcome. I will I'll take them. Uh there Great. isn't one person, you know, you talk about the sound effects guy. Yeah, I want that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a you know, I'm telling tales out of school a little bit here, but um I'm about to record with David Kay. I oh, am awesome. fascinated to talk yeah. to him. You mentioned Janice, or so I would love to have Janice on it. Sure, sure. Some of these yeah. things, you know. Um everybody had a had a had a part in this very unique situation in broadcasting history yeah. and and yeah um so um let's go to the end let's talk okay. about that last six weeks that okay. um i know we're jumping around here and i i, I like hey, to i like to you know do it differently i'm happy time. to jump
0: however yeah absolutely however you want okay, to
1: cool uh because you've already you've already said that you'll come back <clears throat> on and we'll get the box out and we'll look through the box so that'll be that be i fun. will bring the
0: box and we'll just go through i won't even look at it
1: Oh my God! That's yes, that's a fantastic. we we'll just go through. It. We'll episode. go through
0: it organically. It's
1: fun. Oh, oh, Jeremy, you're making my night. Um, the last six weeks, uh, at, at the time of this broadcast, um, you know Brian Teta's, uh staff favorite moments just came out, um, and 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 I loved I loved watching the evolution of of him and his career. Anybody mm-hmm. who is an intern and evolved and then waited and yeah. made it to the end, I love that story so much. Um let's go to the night that Dave announced his retirement. It's about a year and a half, I guess, before you guys finished up a little bit, maybe a little less than that. Um, he tells the Eagle story and all of that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, um, and, and, and announces it. Um, were you part of the meeting beforehand where everybody gathered and, uh, and it was, Hey, Dave's going to no, no. his retirement. No, no, no. Okay. So you, you saw it on no. air. Uh,
0: yeah. I think, um, on, I think maybe we had it trickled upstairs a yeah. little bit um I, I can't remember exactly but i remember being with the other writers upstairs probably you know because it was almost showtime so we we're probably getting ready to um have dinner or see what happened well you know watch the show together and yep. we might have heard right before um yeah
1: but to yeah i during remember showtime, being... you guys that's what you're doing at showtime the so, I, yeah. together right in a room yeah yeah
0: it depends on what time you know what if we we're taping two shows and one is much earlier we wouldn't be but yeah you know you're basically waiting to make changes um, after Dave seeing everything in the dressing room and once those are locked you know then you go and you sort of hang out together because sometimes they might throw out the whole top 10 list during the show and you have to write a new one during a commercial break you know Tommy
1: talked about that that was yeah. uh those those, those yeah. would be crazy moments
0: yeah yeah and uh, or there'd be even be moments too where this is this is a digression but you know there'd be moments where you have to write a special top 10 list also for some random group that you know nothing about and you're trying to write top 10 jokes for a a special event that Dave's going to record during the show. And it's like for, you know, I don't know, some Elks lodge in Montana that, you know, it's going to do a special top 10 list for. And it's just, it's just an interesting you know process. And then we try to stay together so we can all bang these jokes out together.
1: That's really cool. Uh, how often did that happen?
0: Uh, Not that often. It was every once in a while, there'd be a special event or things like that that would come up and he was going to record a second top 10 during the show. And, uh, you know, every once in a while, it just be, it was really hard to write specific jokes for like a group or an organization that you don't know anything about. You know what I mean? It was just yeah. a, a challenge. So you do your best to just come up with, you know, random non-sequiturs or, you know, odd puns with people's last names. And so there, you know, like that it was one of those things, like Steve Young was always the best at coming up with, you know, the random thing that <laughs> seems so obvious, but it's so funny, you know, like one day we we were, it was like a random middle of the week and we had nothing for a comedy segment. And he ended up just pitching a commercial about, uh, you know, hump day. And it was, uh, you know, different questions about people and humps. And it it was just one of those random funny things about, it was just a commercial for hump day because it was the middle of the week and we had nothing else to talk about. And there's nothing topical. You know what I mean? Just people would come up with, and people could have come the way he approached things from such a unique skewed point of view was just awesome. And a lot of times, you know, you know, Lee and Steve and Joe, they would they could just come up with something so clever and unique that bailed us out of jams time and again, you know?
1: Yeah. I, 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 I gotta be, I I love Steve Young. Like I love his mind. I love his perspective on, on on life. I love, yeah, he is just, he is clearly one of the smartest, um, most skewed, um views, view askew. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, I'm uh-huh, sure. I want to talk to about Kevin Smith. I can't, we gotta sure. talk about that. Um, yeah, sure. but I just Steve Young's mind is just so impressive to me. And yeah. and and there's so many things that he hits that just speak to me that I identify with, but I just could never I I look at that, I get intimidated when I talk to guys like that. He's just he's got this unbelievable uh, perspective on things that's so fresh and unique. I, I just, yeah. yeah, I just appreciate him so, so much. Um, who were some of your mentors? Steve Young, obviously one of your mentors. Who are some of the other mentors on the show? Yeah. For you? Lee, you talked about him.
0: I mean, um, so when I was an intern, it was uh, the Stangles were there. It was Carter and Craig. Um trying to think um chris harris was there i mean these are guys i, I looked up to there's so many great people but like you know steve steve lee joe tommy were some of my contemporaries there and it was just yeah. so fun to sort of you know be in the room with them um you know the stangles gave me my shot and they you know they gave me the opportunity to write and so that's one of those things where you know it's interesting how every step of the way there always seems to be like You know, someone who's look just I benefited from someone looking out for me and sort of giving me that extra nudge to sort of give me the get me to the next step. And it was such a great, uh, you know, those guys were really instrumental in sort of helping formulate my comedy, you know, worldview. So yeah. It was very um, cool. Yeah. But just, you know, Jerry Mulligan and Bill Sheft. I mean, yep. seeing, the, you oh, know, yeah. I didn't get to deal with those guys, uh, you know, as much because, you know, yeah, you Jerry were just by then. passing
1: the night, right? Jerry had just kind I of just, retired uh, as you were.
0: I mean, I got to work with Jerry qu- as the writer's researcher a lot and just being oh, there. But yeah. yeah, when he retired, it was, you know, I, I I regretted not being able to, you know, be on the staff longer with him. Oh. But, um yeah, it was, uh, that. What,
1: a, what a sweetheart yeah. I, can't, I can't wait to have him back on the uh the show yeah. that was that was talking to him was an, an insane honor um yeah yeah and, uh, and then as the
0: new as the new folks came in too I, like after that core group you know like rj freed and paul nacella yeah. and um, those guys it was uh jill goodwin was there too um zach Smilowitz. i mean there was a great you know as we got to the end there it was just fun to sort of see the next generation there too um you know ready to take the mantle and go
1: Man, you're so good at the segue and bringing us back again to where we were going to talk. So so you the night that Dave retired, you were probably in the room or said that he was going to retire, pardon me. Yeah. You were in the room and, uh, you know, shock, all that. Um, at that point, did you kind of, in your mind, hit the video record button uh, a, a little bit more? Were you a little more present for that next year and a bit? Um, I think so. You know, yeah.
0: yeah. It was one of those things I, I just, I, it was, um, you know, I just always said to people, you know, I couldn't, just like i i would have been three years old so i couldn't have been there at the beginning right but you know i i absolutely want to now be there at the end do you know what i mean and just to be there to sort of be a part of that final run to help shape in whatever small way i could you know um you know how things how things went you know at the end it was just such a i was just grateful to be a part of it and uh it was uh it was one of those things you do, you do try to be more present. You do try to say, Oh, we really now have to figure out how to land the plane, you know, and it's, it was fascinating.
1: It really, it really was. Um, And, and I mean, you know, right now at the time of this broadcast, it's, it's, it's around the holiday season, you know, and we think about, I've already, we've already shot our, our uh, Christmas episode. Oh, nice! Uh, And it it has a, a beautiful focal point on the last Christmas episode, for you guys and i mean i, I you know darlene that last uh yeah. I, i'm gonna have glenn borders on here um and and he's gonna talk about uh the snow and all that kind of stuff oh, great but that last that last moment like were you in the writer's room when darlene was singing christmas maybe you know her, her famous christmas song or or, or did you sneak yeah. down to the studio for any of those I'm moments trying
0: to think there was yeah i i, I we just ended up st- i think i ended up just staying upstairs it was one of those things too because i just i don't know it I, I, I kind of wanted to sneak down, but at the same time, you know, I, I don't know. I didn't want to get like too emotional or too, I don't know. I didn't want to yeah. just get, you know, I just wanted to sort of, again, like it's one of those things you stay in your lane. I didn't want to be somewhere where I didn't need to be and sort of be in the way. Uh, and I just sort of took it in from, you know, upstairs, I think.
1: Well, and that's what you did formally, right? You know, when, but you, it's were just, the, you, when just... you were the, the the production assistant or the uh, the research assistant, you know, get your job done well first that's and it. then do the extras and things. And, and, and that kind of, they're all the
0: it. same thing. That's it. I think I maybe got one. I think I got two autographs in my entire time at the Letterman show. It was, um I had Tenacious D. Uh, they signed a CD for me, which was awesome. And it yeah. just, because I just, I don't know what, ha- I don't know what came over me. I tried to avoid doing that, you know? Sure. And then, um so I was a Syracuse guy and we had um like Jim Bay Haimon and Carmelo Anthony and Jerry McNamara after they won the national championship. There so they go. signed a Sports Illustrated for me. So, but yeah, it was one of those things. Other than that, I kind of did my best to sort of, you know stay upstairs and mind my, my business
1: um okay that being said there were, there probably would have been times i mean i i love talking to lee and joe um <laughs> well lee in particular but uh alan culture celebrity interview is a, is a good example yeah sure where where you might be end up as a writer working with some of these big stars and 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 yeah. and, and helping to create content uh yeah. for the show with them any any moments there um that anybody that you worked with that uh yeah that um, mind as i say that
0: There was a, there was a uh, Maria Pope at one point had asked me to write something. Um, It was like, I got to, there was like a run of Steve Martin was going to be on the show and he was going to be promoting his Friday appearance every night during the week leading up to it. And it was one of those things I just had to write the scripts basically based on what you know, they had come up with, um, but just even seeing that being part of that process and seeing that up close was great. I mean, obviously working with Chris Elliott on pieces was uh, just incredible. I mean, he's awesome. the best. Yep. Um, you know, I got to do a lot of work at the end. I did a lot of uh, pieces with Andy Kindler. Oh, we did wow. A lot that's of, awesome. Um, so he's, well, a, he's a dream can...
1: guest for me for me as well. Uh Oh, you I should
0: you should definitely get Andy yeah. on the show. We did I yeah. think we did we shot maybe 25 remotes together all over went to Space Camp, we went to like the unclaimed baggage center, we went to spring training, we went all over the place. Um and so he's a lot of fun. It was really fun working with him. Um Yeah, it was uh And, and part I mean part of the fun for me too was like working with like the, the voiceover actors that we yep. would book to do the voiceovers. And there'd be guys like Rob Webb and Ralph Gunderman and J.R. Horn, who um, like, you know, played like the chief of police and like Die Hard 3, I think. And he <laughs> was like, and like Sarah Krieger. And um, we had all these awesome people that I got to know in the business that weren't like, they weren't in front of the camera, but their voices you would absolutely no sam freed was another one you'd know their voices from any commercial you'd hear and it was just so cool getting to know them um so yeah i just felt you know like it was overwhelming sort of all the people you get to meet and then you're starting to piece together you know where you've heard that voice or where you've seen that person before and even commercial actors that would come on and just do little guest spots you know for day players that would come in it was really cool
1: I uh um we we had a great interview with uh, with Jody Ebert the, the yeah fuck the you fuck guy.
0: you guy right yeah can you say that and, on this show can you what what can you say uh, on this show this
1: show absolutely say whatever okay. you want okay <laughs> <laughs> I I, uh, I I loved I I loved. The perspective again this is why i want to get kindler on as well like the perspective of people who didn't work for the show but were on the show and, yeah. and because they all everybody has a, a different perspective the steve martin thing right there i'm not going to let that go famously there were people who when they would come on the show they took it very seriously and weeks beforehand yeah. sometimes they would be wanting to make sure that it was going to be really really good bruce willis is one um steve martin mm-hmm. is another uh, yeah. that's so and that's and that i know has, lee, like it,
0: lee lee used to work with steve all the time and was so integral in like a lot of the Steve and stuff and the, so yeah, it was always interesting to hear him sort of talk about, you know, that process, but Bruce was, you know, always coming on. He's like, it was always, Bruce is going to do like four or five things. We're going to shoot these different things. Um, Yeah. uh, You know, like there were certain celebrities too, like Tom Hanks, for example, would give a special, he wouldn't necessarily record comedy bits, but he would give special care. Like when I was in research, you'd see how thoughtful he was preparing his segment making sure that, you know, there was engaging fun stories and it, you know, helped Dave, it set Dave up for, you know, great jokes. And it was, it was really interesting to sort of see that part of the process.
1: Um, Okay. So this is just on the fly here. And I don't know if you'll remember this or not. Uh, You certainly would have been a writer when it happened. Um, I can't pull the year out of my head, but uh, one of the greatest Tom Hanks bits that I ever ever saw on that show Uh, famously of course dave's last late night that tom hanks was phenomenal on that talking about the stories about being a bellhop but there was a bit that you guys wrote for the show where dave looked at his desk and he's like what he's looking down at the desk and he's looking around and there's a button on the desk that was never had never been there before and he looked and he's like "I, i don't know what to do i don't know what to do and then he goes and he he presses the button and out runs tom hanks he jumps into the chair beside him and he said hey dave i'm here for you it's like that's the, really it, funny and i don't know if you remember that or not
0: i uh, remember it i don't remember when it was i don't remember who wrote it but i remember it And I, I remember moments like that you know we there was a mandate at some points where it was like we're trying to come up with these just little quick things yeah you know and then you find out you have a you know tom hanks is available but he can't do a full panel segment or whatever and so that's it's the perfect thing
1: yeah oh it was so God. funny love yeah. that stuff love that stuff loved uh, you know i mean this was probably before your time when it when it came to your time on the show you uh, tony randall would just yeah. randomly appear mandy patinkin would just randomly mm-hmm. appear and, and yeah uh, again you guys were so good at creating planned spontaneity and, and yeah yeah just, right um just an amazing thing um, yeah. going up to the show's end, uh, the last night, let's let's. Uh, I mean, again, I don't know that there has ever been a perfect, uh, more perfect, uh, final show, you know, culminating with, with uh, Barbara's unbelievable. I mean, it was the team, but Barbara led the, that, that, um, yeah, that uh, that montage amazing montage yeah. to live music, which it's you know, great. I want to do an episode just on that because there's a lot of drama around how that. Uh, that that all, whole whole ordeal went sure. but i mean just a beautiful beautiful piece of uh, piece of television there culminating there the last night um where were you during the last show, were you in the writer's room? Were you in the, were you yeah. in the theater? Were you already at the party? Um, where, yeah,
0: where, no, I remember the last day, it was a lot of going around taking pictures with, you know, my, um, uh, you know, I, by that time we I'd worked with the editor, the editors so long, you know, so long. So I wanted to make sure we, I was down there. I saw, yeah. you know, Mark Spada and Dan Bagione and, um, Andrew Evangelista and all the, and, and Jessica and Randy and everybody that was down there, we took pictures. I saw the graphics department, took pictures with all of them. And it was so that the day was basically doing that. And then it was like down in the studio. And I remember taking a picture on the set with, um, I think I have one with like Rob Burnett and Jerry Foley, just mm-hmm. people that, you know, you know, anyone that I could sort of take a picture with. We did that that day. And then during the show, we were in the conference room. I remember, I think Carter and Craig came back and we all watched together on the TV in the conference room. And it was awesome. It was one of those like, can't believe this is happening moments, you know? Yeah. And then I just remember I have vague memories of the after party and, you know, standing across the street, just looking at the marquee for the last time. It was, it was pretty wild.
1: Yeah. You know? Um what did you, uh, okay. Oh, so, so what was the 21st like? Like, I mean, um, you know, we hear, we hear the stories of the confusion of the, you know, of course of the set. Um, so glad yeah, yeah. it got rescued and, and, yeah. and, uh, um, you know, uh, what was that like? Uh, did you, did you grab any souvenirs of any sort?
0: <laughs> uh, Not some, I mean, I probably have a couple of like, you know, bumper cells upstairs somewhere. Yeah. Um, I had, I I do have one thing framed in my office and it's a, uh, when I left as an intern, uh, they gave a a late night bumper and all the writers signed it. And so I was, it's a super cool memento to have from that from my internship. But um, yeah, no, I didn't steal anything from the set. It was, it was weird. You know, most of most things are packed up, but just sort of being around, for a little bit and seeing you know everything in the dumpsters was kind of you know just it made it seem re- very real very quick you know you're like oh maybe we can just come back and do a show on monday but no nope, it's uh that's
1: it uh from this guy's perspective traumatizing as well I, I i i i was there a month before i was there my show was on uh, uh april 20th that's when our, yeah. my little moment happened yeah uh, that, that that moment it there. was april 20th April 20th. Okay, uh, cool. Was 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 my night. And so nice. it was very fresh in my mind. Like, because yeah. we were down there. It was all about, and then like, you know, getting our picture taken behind the desk and then having that moment with Dave yeah. in the audience. Like that was, to me, it was like, okay, my video record uh, recorder was on like crazy. So, you know, going and meeting and seeing Rupert again and all that stuff, thinking, okay, this will be the last time I have anything to do with Letterman. Yeah. God, was I wrong. Um, and, 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 <laughs> and, 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 and so when I saw those dumpsters, I, in my head, was literally like okay well wait a second this is happening right now is there a way tomorrow i could be there with a u-haul mm-hmm. <laughs> beside the right. to try? like right. I, I literally was i could i could picture it all like right there in my mind's eye it's like oh no this needs what the i i don't get it what the hell is happening here yeah yeah and uh you know this should be all in a museum and 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 um
0: so now what was the, so now what, now Chris Gethard, somehow it was part of this, right? He got rescued, rescued some of the set. Is that true?
1: I, I don't know all of the people who rescued, like I don't, to be perfectly, uh, put all my cards on the table. I don't know who it was that rescued this one. Yeah. That's um, the Verrazano. Uh, yeah, it looks the, awesome. You yeah. yeah. Oh, so like, oh, crazy that, yeah. Yeah. I'm so, so grateful. Um, I do know three or four. I do know where three or four of the bridges are, and maybe after uh, I stop hit stop, I can talk about who who might cool. have some of those. Yeah, yeah, um, awesome. So, but I mean, I'm just
0: glad they they survived in some capacity because it's such a cool, you know.
1: For those who did did do the dumpster diving, but there's so much that didn't survive, yeah, and I mean to me yeah. that's just uh, a shame of shames. Um, now that being said, you know. Thursday came, Friday came Monday. There wasn't another show. Uh, What was re-entry like? Cause I mean, this is a huge part of your life. Like you said, your formative years. Um, What was it like when it ended and where did you go? What have you done since?
0: It was, uh, I I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, the Monday after the show ended Lee and I had a meeting uh, in Brooklyn with the Gregory brothers uh, from youtube do you know they do the songify yep. the news this is the so, uh
1: is this the music thing, this song? yeah so, there you go so,
0: so and yeah they like the, the from tiktok like the corn kid yeah. that song yeah, yeah 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 um we met with them i think the following monday and ended up doing a, a digital web series with them over the rest of the summer um
1: that was the which song our thing, first right? thing
0: back and so it was called song voyage ah, and song so that voyage, was that was it yes. and so it was basically they went to different countries and were going to make like, they, they, their whole thing was making viral songs with different artists. And so they went to Vietnam and Japan. They did a song that's on, uh, there was one, They it was a guy who had like, a, he was like a chicken farmer. And they have a song called Chicken Attack that, mm-hmm. you know, it was just silly and weird and fun. And it was just cool to sort of, get get some entree into the digital space, you know, cause we had been sort of analog for so long and yeah. then, you know, to move right into that was really fun. And then we, you know, bounced around doing a bunch of different things. Um, so the nightly show, Tom, Rebecca invited me to write for the nightly show for a little bit. So we did that. Um, it was important for me to try to do as many different things as possible. Cause I felt like, you know, I had done some time in late night, So I wanted to really explore different opportunities. So, you know, Lee and I worked in a pilot with Dan Harmon for the show called Great Minds, yeah. um, which is really fun. And then um,
1: with Dan Harmon. Wow. And
0: then we did a um, uh, I did a, a, an awesome it was it was a really fun experience. Ethan Berlin invited me to write for a game show called Paid Off with Michael Torpy. And it was a, a show where the contestants all had enormous student debt. And the whole goal was if you won the show, they paid off your debt. Um, oh my God. if you won the episode. So we shot like, we shot 32 episodes. We shot them in two 16 episode chunks in Atlanta. And it was really cool because I had started to notice, notice this trend for jobs I was, you know, meeting for, it was, you know, a lot of advocacy in you know, different social aspects of not just comedy, but it was, you know, it was something that had a, maybe a little more of an impact or
1: social enterprise, you know, could, could make a difference
0: in someone's life. Yeah. And so it was really unique to sort of get, it was like, the goal was to sort of make sort of a sort of modern day a new version of remote control, but it had yeah. this sort of social angle to it. And uh, you know, Michael Torpy is just one of the most talented guys and getting to work with that show. It was just a lot of fun to sort of help be a part of something from the ground up and figure out what it's gonna be. And uh it was really cool. And getting to shoot in Atlanta, it was my first experience getting down there to shoot. Um yep. so it was really neat.
1: That's really and in cool. the meantime,
0: just working on other things like you know, writing pilots and writing scripts. So it's been it's been it's been good
1: and that's uh, what are you doing right now
0: so right now i just finished uh writing my first feature so i'm waiting to sort of uh you know take the next step so yeah so i'm just trying to figure out what's next with that and just um you know playing around trying to figure out what's next
1: a comedy i assume
0: yeah it's 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 certainly my sensibility it's a little comedy little horror a little uh little sci-fi so it should be a lot of fun so i'm hoping that it uh you know turns into something special
1: Congratulations on that, and and thanks, and of course, uh, you know, with the little teeny tiny voice that we have, we will be shouting your praises and, and excitement yeah. for you. Thanks. And and when everything, when anything moves forward with it, we would love to to talk to you about it and and, yeah. and be a part of the uh, of the hype machine, getting that going. Sure, oh my thanks. gosh, that's so good, Jeremy. That's that's thanks. fantastic. Yeah. Um, I gotta finish uh, because you know the other night we're going back and forth, and and you're like, oh, I I have to go and and immediately you know you drop a you drop a bomb to me anyway that's like oh my god that's what you're going to do how did you get wrapped up into the world of kevin smith and what did you what, what did you do recently with him
0: well um so uh, after it was during the pandemic my wife and i said we needed a change for the family so we wanted to figure out um you know what we could do to sort of help everyone reset so we moved um from the town we were living in we moved down to the jersey shore um to Highlands, New Jersey. And, um, that's Kevin Smith's hometown. Did you know this
1: before? Have you been a Kevin Smith? uh, Yeah. Yeah. I've been a fan since,
0: yeah. Since in college when I saw Clark for the first time and I've seen, you know, everything. So I've been a fan. And then one of the things we did for the show actually was we shot, uh, Biff, we did a remote on the set of cop-out in 2009, maybe. I think it came out in 2010.
1: Oh my God. I forgot about that. It it worked out because Tracy
0: Morgan and Bruce Willis. And so because Bruce, was doing it and they were shooting in new york biff went out for the afternoon so we interviewed bruce tracy kevin uh and so that was a lot of fun and um because kevin had done a a bunch of stuff um, for the tonight show for many years Yeah. now he was shooting in new york and so it was really great to have the opportunity to um um you know interact with him there. And then, um, so when I moved to town, he had been, um, you know, he just, he just shot Clerks 3 here last summer. You know, my kids and I, every once in a while, we'll stop into the quick stop and just get a drink or, you know, whatever. So it's like interesting to be a part of that world. And so then he bought the movie theater in Atlantic Highlands and um, they announced that they were going to be doing a, a film festival. And so Ernie O'Donnell, who's the the coordinator, he's the like his right hand man who runs the the theater. You know, we were talking and Ernie uh, O'Donnell he, is
1: also in Clerks and he's uh, in
0: Clerks. He plays the personal trainer. He's in Clerks yeah, three, yeah. which is great. Yeah, and so he's <laughs> um he's been instrumental in getting the theater back up and running. Uh, it's like a five screen theater in the town over, and so they've rebooted the whole thing and uh you know it's coming along great. And so they were going to do a film festival at his podcasting studio, which is a couple towns over in a different town called Leonardo. Yep, and they realized when they opened the festival up for submissions, they got like 700 submissions. And so they realized they had to really figure out a venue for this. And um, the movie theater thing just made sense. And Kevin bought it. Wow. And so uh, anyway, so I got to judge the festival, which was great. Um, and so, okay, how does you that know, that happen? I spent...
1: uh, sorry, sorry. No, is, is he like, okay, well, yeah, but I know a former Letterman writer and I, we. So Can I, I reached out to him?
0: Ernie and I just said, Hey, listen, um, you know, so you I'm for it. it. So basically I called Ernie and I said, listen, um, you know, as a new Highlands guy, I'm a huge fan. I've I'm, I'm supported this theater. I'm a, I'm a fan of that movie theater. I said, if you need anything, any help with the festival, let me know. And he's like, would you want to judge? And I was like, absolutely. And the next day I got a, a link and there was 700 movies. And it's like, he's like, you know, the first batch is we'll watch as many as you can until we can narrow down the first batch. And then for the final round, uh, there was like 120 shorts and features that I got sent. And it was, Really, really cool. It was just a whole, uh, just a diverse array of talent, horror, comedy, drama, really, really uh, talented up and coming filmmakers. Um, some real. I saw some short films that were just uh, dynamite out of this world. So it was really fun to be a part of. And so they had the, the festival was this last weekend and it was like yeah. five days. So I went and attended a couple of the blocks of the uh, of movies and then attended the awards. And it was really neat. And there was Kevin did a great tribute to this guy, Bob Hawk, who was also one of the judges, who was oh. one of the guys who was instrumental in his journey All from rats. getting clerks. Uh, he was getting clerks. Or, oh, yeah,
1: clerk. Yeah. yeah. From, well,
0: basically, when he saw clerks, he was one of the the people, the early advocates who got yes. it into help get it into Sundance. Yes. And uh, it was just such a nice... Um, such a nice experience and really fun to be you know those guys are so fun and it's just so fun to, to listen to kevin tell stories you know so um i'm, I'm gonna throw
1: that i'm gonna throw this out uh i want him on this show so badly it's not even funny not, not only because uh he's got a letterman connection he was he's a guest on the show once but also uh there was a time where he had the opportunity to have a top 10 made about him and he didn't do it i don't know if you know that story or not and i'm not going to go into it anymore because i, I want to have him on the show and i want to ask yeah, him yeah, about sure. that. Sure. He regrets not having it done, you know, with yeah, the, sure uh, hindsight. Um, if there's any way that we can get connected to Kevin Smith, oh my gosh, it'd be so fun to have him on, yeah, here. yeah, for sure. Um, um, my gosh, and you now know, you, can co- you can talk about
0: the you could talk about the remote we did with Biff and uh, oh, all that. Oh, up. yeah,
1: there's so much, there's so much because Unless, you, you know, his sure.
0: whole roster of people, yes, um, you know, you could talk to them about all their all of his movies and stuff
1: that's the goal of the show there what we what i just did there is kind of blueprint the the example of what the show is because kevin smith was a gigantic letterman fan like i'm a big kevin smith fan yeah. um any any podcasting influence that i have uh is because of him and when smodcast came out i was an early adopter of yeah. of that show um and and kevin is uh, he's such an inspirational guy because he's the guy that says you know just like when he went and saw slacker uh, when he was 19 years old mm-hmm. um and he's like wait wait this counts and it kind of wrapped his mind around the idea that, Oh, I can do this. Mm-hmm. And and he has perpetrated that to everybody. You want to do a podcast, go do it. And, yeah. and, um, I, I just appreciate that about him so, so much, how he is so encouraging for people to do things. I want to tell him that this for podcast sure. doesn't exist. I, I've talked about the lily pads about the Letterman podcast. Mm-hmm. And if one of the lily pads was not there, this show doesn't exist. Kevin Smith is one of those lily pads. So, yeah. um, but that being said, Folks like that who have a connection to Letterman um, in any way, big fans, you know, you you hear about how how, how some of these up and coming comedic actors who are sitting beside Dave and have been warned very sternly, do not talk about your adoration to Dave to him, please, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know. I want to have yeah. some of those people on this show so they can talk about the adoration uh, yeah. uh for 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 what Dave and company did. And Kev's yeah. one of those guys. So um yeah. yeah that's that's a very cool experience. I must have felt really neat being a part of that.
0: It was really cool. It was it was just you know, just a small part of the, that process. And just, you know, for the community, I thought it was great just sort of bringing people here. And, um, you know, seeing the the young filmmakers accepting their awards uh, it was just really cool to see them get recognized. And obviously, you know, I, I think they're going to keep doing it every year. So, you know, I hope to be involved going forward. And I think it'll be a lot of fun. And I hope it just continues to grow like this podcast. It's one of those things where the it, pieces will start to fall into place. And then once one person does it, someone will say, Oh, uh, I'll do it too. You know what I mean? It just becomes yep. this thing that grows and grows. So, and then there'll well, be this great it, archive you'll have of, uh, of just this awesome.
1: It's the know, weirdest thing in the story. world. I, uh, I wanted this podcast for years to show up. I wanted it to be there so I could listen to it weekly yeah. and, and it never did. And it never did. It never did. And then, and then, um, and then Alan died. Um, mm. and I had already become friends with Shecky at that point. Shecky's mm-hmm. again, another one of those very, very pivotal, um, lily pads is Rick essential. Sheckman. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I'm, I'm so grateful to have Rick Sheckman in my life. Like he is just, yeah, he is just, uh, Shecky has many
0: memories of me walking to his door and leaning in the door when a writer has asked for some random piece of footage. And I would say, Shecky, do you happen to have, uh, footage of Bill Clinton on the phone or, you know, do you have, um, I need, you know, girls in sequin dresses uh, on uh, on water ski. You know what I mean? And it would just be. He'd be like, I don't have that, but I have this. And you know, for many years, he was uh, such an essential help for me. You know.
1: Oh, I love it. And that. I could just tell he'd
0: like roll his eyes and walk in the door. He said, what do you need now? <laughs> so.
1: Oh God. Yeah. And I love that about him. I, I you know, I, and I he was always super was helpful my... to me.
0: He was, the, 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 he was so nice to me and so helpful because I was just floundering sometimes with like, I don't know the first thing about what I'm looking for here. And he would be so great. So.
1: You and I are brothers in that I have felt the exact same way. Um, And, 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 and if it wasn't for him, this thing wouldn't exist either. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, it was Alan dying because it was like, are you kidding me? If so, if someone was doing the Letterman podcast, Alan would have been a guest five times. Like he would have been, he would have just kept Like Alan would have like- been a
0: guest. He would have recorded your intro. Alan was the yes. consummate professional. He was yes. hilarious. He was so, such a pro. Like he yeah. was like, he would just nail it every time. You know, he was so good. And oh, he was game yeah. for, he was game for almost anything. There were a couple of times he's like, I don't know about this, Jeremy, because I would bring him a script. and He's like, I don't know. But then he was always such a good sport and he would end up doing stuff. Um,
1: you wrote stuff for, for him. Did you?
0: I, I wrote stuff for him. Yeah. I, but even before that, when I was yeah. you know producing segments, I was definitely the one who sort of got him his material. But there were times I wrote stuff for him, but not as um, not as frequently as some of the other writers. But he was anything that I did write for him. He was just knocked out of the park.
1: I don't know if you remember this remote uh, one of my very favorite moments of all time uh on late show was this remote where <laughs> they come back from commercial break or whatever and 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 uh they're about to do something and and you hear this uh dave dave and dave's like what what is it alan and he's wearing a sailor suit and uh oh my um, god yeah uh, yeah and are, aren't we gonna do my sailor sketch and 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 dave's like i'm sorry we don't have time the sailor yeah. sketch has been cut and Alan, he doesn't. I don't even think he rages at that point. I think he just goes off dejected. And mm-hmm. then we see a, a, a remote of of uh, or a, a, a taped piece of Alan's descent into madness. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. He breaks the glass uh, and the yeah. white rabbits playing by Jefferson airplane. Uh, I want to find who wrote that and shake their hand. Um, really great. Yeah,
0: I don't remember who did, but it, I remember. I remember that piece though. I mean, he and he could really sell the hell out of all of it. You know, so yeah. good. Yeah. Um,
1: Okay. I have, uh, I've taken so much of your time and I, I did it. I got to the end of the episode being able to ask this question. It is Weiner, right?
0: Yes. Correct. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. I, I wanted, I, I thought it was, I wanted to make sure, yep. you got but it. I can, I can imagine having that name. Uh,
0: yeah, it's a, you know, it presents some issues growing up, but otherwise it's all good. You, it helps to develop the comedy skin, you know, so it's all good. <laughs>
1: um jeremy this has been so much fun for me for me too Um,
0: thank you so much for having me i'm i was flattered to be invited i really appreciate you taking the time
1: oh my gosh uh you anytime open invitation anytime again i want to have a a writer's roundtable similar to what uh malkoff did with the uh, the carson podcast he would do that from time to time i want to do that here too um anything else that you want to say at the end of your first appearance on the letterman podcast
0: Oh, I just, I just thanks. I mean, this is just such a cool thing that you're doing. I'm, uh, I'm excited to do a deep dive now and, uh, you know, watch all these and sort of catch up with everybody. And then, uh, you know, I'm happy to anything you need along the way, let me know. And at oh, some point, man. I will dig out that box. So we can go through it and figure out what's, uh, yep. what other weird stuff I got, you know. I think I took some, I think I have a couple of things too, just like odd writery things, you know, like maybe a couple of dinner menus that the writers defaced at some point um, that might have some funny jokes we could talk about. So,
1: oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, that episode is very appealing to me. The moment you're ready, standing invitation, yeah, like, sure. like next week over the hall. yes, absolutely. Yeah. Whenever you want to do it, we'll do it. Um, thank you so much for taking time. And again, I, I, I say it to all of you, whether it's in the first email or or, or on air, um, thank you for helping to create some of the gray matter pathways in in my brain that have made me the, the, the odd human that I am like, I swear to God, man, that show is so entrenched in my heart. Um, everything that you guys did, you know, going through life, it was one of those things at the end of the day, no matter what I was doing, I always had that to look forward to. And, and I just want to say thank you so much for your contribution to that. Uh, it means the world and I'm so excited to see what's up for you next, man.
0: Well, thanks, and and thanks so much for saying that. and I th- thanks for having me. and I can't I, I share those sentiments exactly. It was like a beacon of light at the end of the night. It's just, you know, such a great such a great thing to, you know to have been a part of. I just it was I consider myself very fortunate. So thanks so much, man.
1: Oh no problem at all. Okay. I'll do a quick outro and then we'll say our goodbye privately if you're okay with that.
0: absolutely, absolutely.
1: Awesome. Okay. Um, well, there we go, everybody. This is why we do the show. Uh, I love this experience so, so much. I uh, We talk about the imposter syndrome. I can't believe I get to be the guy that does this. Um, I'm so grateful Uh, and I'm not alone. I want to thank every single person who uh, helps contribute along the way, who helps support along the way, who helps fact check me along the way. Everybody, this Letterman podcast community is growing. It's so fun to watch it grow. Um, You know, I'm going to say it until I don't have to say it anymore. And believe me, I'm going to stop saying it a lot sooner than a lot of other uh, podcasters say it, but until I have to, please like, please share, please subscribe to this podcast. Let's get us to that place where I don't have to say that ever again. And of course, we have one sponsor on the Letterman podcast, and that is Rupert G and the Hello Deli. Go to hello-deli.com for your only source of official late show with David Letterman merchandise. Um, This has been another episode of the Letterman podcast with Mike Chisholm. Coincidentally, I am Mike Chisholm. Thank you and good night overcoat and underpants.